0: Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Tuesday, July 5th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by Steve Hellwagon. We hope everyone had a great 4th of July weekend. It was nice getting an uh, extra day in there. And uh, even more time, Steve, to digest the huge bombshell news from last week. It's the first time you and I have had a chance to talk about it, at least on the air. USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. We'll get into the crux of the show later, which is going to be what's next, but... Now that we've had a few days to digest it, um, what were your initial thoughts? And do you like the fact that the Trojans and the Bruins are joining the conference?
1: Well, first of all, I was on a quick trip to Chicago, so I was kind of out of the loop. I'm checking my phone every you know, little bit. And then this just comes out of left field. The report from, uh, I think, John Wilner from the San Jose Mercury News was the first one that kind of broke it midday, maybe Thursday of last week, I don't recall which yeah. day, Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday. Thursday. And it comes completely out of left field. I think they kept a, a lid on it. I guess there is some speculation that it was something that USC and UCLA banded together and came to the Big Ten. And and really, I think on the eve of when we believe a new Big Ten media deal will be struck, and uh, Kevin Warren has been saying that it would be done by now i think usc and ucla saw that now was the time to uh, get out from underneath the uh, the baggage the rubble of the pack 12 the rabble i guess of the pack 12 that may be the better way to put it and uh, <clears throat> finally extricate themselves from what's been holding them back from making all that money so um you know uh Patrick Murphy and myself uh, put together a column that we ran about our thoughts on it almost immediately. And the two things that I hammered home in that were, from the Big Ten standpoint, this is a good deal because it allows them to now charge over a dollar per subscriber on Dish and Satellite in California, in particular, for the Big Ten Network, where they're only charging pennies there now because it's out of market now they'll be low considered local and so that's one and two is the new football deal needs to be completely scrapped and rewritten to include big 10 after dark 10 30 p.m i think probably conservatively six to eight times a year they'll each host primetime games that will be uh, you know, three each probably that will be in the 10 30 PM time zone back on the East coast, which is not something the big 10 has ever had as part of its football deal. So that's a new selling point and many, many millions more of dollars. So that's why it makes sense for the existing 14 schools to take on two schools from outside their footprint because of the big 10 network money and as opposed to, okay, if you added Notre Dame or um, North Carolina or Georgia Tech, just throwing names of schools out there, nobody viable that we see is coming, you can't really add a whole lot in terms of your football contract. Maybe with Notre Dame, I suppose you could, but uh, you don't get that extra time slot. That fourth time slot every day is critical. So uh, those were the two areas that I saw just immediately where Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan will make multi-millions more per year uh, just by adding two more schools and not even worrying about splitting the revenue 16 ways as opposed to 14 ways. The additional revenue is so much that it must offset that.
0: Yeah, I, I like it overall. It's still strange to me. You have USC and UCLA in the Big Ten, not yet, as of 2024 football season. The 2024-25 academic years when it starts, but it's happening. Um, It's crazy, but I do like it. Um, All right, let's get into what I really want to talk about. I think what everybody wants to kind of know now. We all, you know, what it's been like uh, four days. We're like, what's next? There's a lot of smoke out there that Notre Dame is next. Now there's a lot more leverage for the Big Ten because their rival SC is now in the Big Ten. SC could easily say, we're not going to play you, Notre Dame. And we're going to give you the Vito Corleone, uh, you know, offer you can't refuse. A, you'd make a lot more money in the Big Ten. B, if you don't join, you're not going to be playing USC. You're not going to be playing Michigan. And I've heard, Steve, and this is a, more coming from um, the USC board on 24-7 Sports. There's an insider over there that's hearing Notre Dame is imminent. And, again, this is just message board fodder, but this guy seems to be pretty in tune. Just a rumor. But Notre Dame could be next. And Stanford. And that would give even more leverage to, you know, having Notre Dame join because they play Stanford every year and USC and UCLA would like that because it would give them another California school. Are you buying that, that Notre Dame and Stanford could be 17 and 18?
1: That's crazy. Uh, you're up to 16 now and, uh, going, going further. I think, I don't think that we are, we are quite done yet. And, uh, bringing schools under the big 10 umbrella only makes sense if they bring value. So you don't bring Pittsburgh or Cincinnati or West Virginia or, or schools like that in where you're already uh, monetizing their footprint for all it's worth. For the most part, Uh, Notre Dame, obviously a national brand Um, man, that would be a game changer for the big 10 network. Uh, Any pockets of the country that need to have, Notre Dame would uh, would have to pay through the nose, obviously, for Big Ten
0: Network. I'm not sure where that would be, but um, – You get in the Bay America. Area. I know Stanford football is not exactly what everybody in the Bay Area is into, but still then you would get into another major, major media market. Yes. I the major media markets aren't quite as important as what they were like 10 years ago with people cutting the cord. It's more yeah. about like, you know, brands like Notre Dame. Obviously, is not in a big media market, but um, they're nationwide is what you're talking about. Yeah, I could see, you know, Stanford fits academically for sure. Um, it's interesting to me. But, like, there could be some other ones. Like, let's get into that too. Like, if it's not them, I mean, who who else could it be? And if they do add Notre Dame and Stanford, they could still go to 20. Who are some other names that you're looking at if they do go beyond 16 other than Notre Dame and Stanford? Are you thinking, like, Oregon, Washington, North Carolina, Virginia? Miami, you throw out Georgia Tech. Just who are some names you think are viable to join? Clemson. Clemson
1: and Florida State. You got to remember, to my way of thinking, this is only being done for football. I mean, it's going to drag along right. all other sports, I suppose. Uh, I was listening to Ben Hartsock on Sirius XM, and he had a great suggestion. It wasn't him; it may have been Adam Rittenberg uh, from ESPN who was on their show on XM, and he said that that in a perfect world. All of this alignment with SEC and Big Ten and let's just say the top 40 football schools are going to end up in one or the other uh, is being done strictly for football. And then somebody with some vision needs to come through and carve out and say, "Okay, for all other sports, Olympic sports, basketball, whatever, we're still going to maintain the regional model. And I think that makes the most sense in terms of travel and etc but in terms of the only thing that really matters is football television money I mean when it comes right down to it it's all just a television show basketball is pennies on the dollar compared to uh, football even though there's a ton more content from basketball they play three times the number of games but the issue is they get about 10% of the viewership of the football game. So, and I'm, I'm, you know, again, people are going to point to different things and say, Oh, the the final four last year with Kansas and North Carolina was through the roof. Well, you know, there's, there's a one-time anomaly for everything, but uh, in general, they're only looking at the regular season. And Dave, this is interesting. This is a brazen money grab. I think by the big 10 to just say to heck with the playoff, we don't really, you know, care about uh, particularly the 14 playoff sending teams to go play at USC and UCLA kind of puts teams in danger of, of getting extra losses that they you know could hurt them going into the playoff etc although I think the playoff after the next two or three years is probably going to go to at least eight teams and maybe 12 or even 16 it's going to yeah. have to be expanded with these mega conferences um <clears throat> I don't know we are in a uh we continue to be in a position of great transition within our sport. Nobody saw USC and UCLA coming. I don't think you'll see the next round of realignment coming. It's kind of like the uh, the Big Ten saw what SEC did with Oklahoma and Texas and raised them with USC and UCLA, exactly which, right, because of the regional – nature as i hit on earlier those two monetary reasons i gave you are as good a pickup as oklahoma and texas because sec already had texas with texas a&m they were already charging full freight in the state of texas with texas a&m and nobody lives in oklahoma so you know uh you know I'll, i'll go with the what is the population of California? I think it's 60 million people or something, 40 or 60 million people. It's it's out there. So uh, welcome to the Big Ten, boys. Here we go.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> welcome out there. If anybody uh, from USC or UCLA is wondering, like, what do they think? I'm, I know, you know, Buckeye fans have been getting onto their their message boards on 24-7 Sports. They've been coming over to Buck Nuts to see. And it's. I think everybody kind of is like, wow, everybody's on board with this. Like, USC and UCLA are fired up about it you kind of wonder what they thought about coming to the Midwest and um, you know, for so many games and they're probably wondering what, you know, Buckeye fans were thinking about it and Buckeye fans, you get a couple that are, that don't like it, but the vast majority seem completely on board with this. Uh, we hey, got, we got, Dave, somebody that, fight, we got somebody saying fight on right there with the, <laughs> with the well, girls.
1: I've, I've been, to, I've been to the Coliseum twice. Ohio state lost 42 to three when I was there in 1989 and lost thirty-five
0: to three when we were there. I think it was two thousand and eight. That's the yeah. That's the game I was on. Where that was the, the beginning of the Terrell Pryor era. He replaced Todd Beckman there, and then that was it.
1: Tpeasy, take the changing of the guard right there. He started the next week against. They got they got crushed by the Men of Troy, and then came home and played Troy the next week. Um, my one memory from the eighty-nine game was. Uh, uh, Jeff Ellis was outstanding tight end for Ohio state and he suffered a really bad knee injury that really, he was a promising NFL caliber tight end for Ohio state never kind of reached his potential with Ohio state because of that knee injury And is down on the field. They're playing the, you know, to entertain
0: the cool. crowd. I, they used to just USC yeah. just owned Ohio state throughout my lifetime. Finally got that monkey off our back in that cotton bowl. Where Ohio State really took it to him, Sam Darnold. Um, even though with Denzel Ward sitting out that game, you can't blame him. It ended up being the number four pick of the draft. Just signed a mega extension. It sits with out a lot. You are Cleveland Browns, and still the the Buckeyes took it to the Trojans there in that uh, that Cotton Bowl in 2017. We were there for that man. When the Buckeyes play in Jerry World, good things happen. National championships, wins over USC. Even uh, Ryan Day's first win as a coach. That wasn't his first win. That was his don't first need to play there this year though. As a as an interim head coach against TCU. All right, let's get into this. Uh, Opine what's going to happen now. Is the Pac-12 just going to dissolve? And maybe the Big 12 is going to get some of the Pac-12 schools that, you know, and we'll see what happens. Uh, What's going to happen to the ACC? Is the SEC just going to pillage whoever they want? Plus maybe the Big 10 going down there like we're talking, getting a North Carolina, Clemson, maybe a Virginia. There's been talk. Um, You know, what happens to the Big 12? The Pac-12 and the ACC, Steve. I think we're going to end up
1: with probably a 20 to 24 team SEC, a 20 to 24 team Big Ten, and then a 20 to 24 team ACC, Big 12, Pac-12 conglomerate, which hmm. will be nationwide in its own scope, but in many regards, it'll be viewed as kind of the American Conference, even though. And then then you'll have the American Conference beyond that. So, yeah, it's. Um, you know it is. It's going to be what it's going to be, and I think that uh, I think that the SEC and the Big Ten are going to negotiate some type of format for the playoff going forward. And uh, I don't know how they're going to go about changing the the, the playoff format, but uh, I don't know either, either if those teams don't play ball in the Pac-12, Big 12, ACC format, then the Big Ten and the SEC will just take their ball and set up their own, uh, you know, winners of their conferences will play for the national championship type thing. The top four in each of those leagues will, will meet in an 18 playoff, presumably. Again, just thinking out loud, if they want to be a part of it, those other schools, they'll accept whatever the SEC and the Big Ten gives them, and that will be that. And they'll still have some harmony in terms of scheduling. Uh, I figure, you know, some non-conference games here and there and wherever. But uh, it's pretty obvious that we are headed toward a 20-team mega SEC, a 20-team mega Big Ten at some point in that range. And um, that's what it's going to be. I don't think that that will last for very long, though. I think they may may go to that. And what it may ultimately extricate is – Uh, some schools that don't compete well may eventually either get booted or look to leave the type thing. Cause I remember the mountain West and the WAC got together for an 18 team mega league. And the problem was they were together for like five or six years. There can only be one champion in an 18 team league. So a lot of people were disenchanted, you know, you can't really uh, win a conference championship very easily. So But, again, entrees to the playoff, I don't know. What everybody wants is cost certainty and revenue certainty, and that's what you're getting when you build these mega conferences with these huge media deals. You're guaranteed money up front from the regular season. And then I think that the presidents and the commissioners, commissioners to a degree, presidents – And athletic directors look at it and say, if we make the playoff, we make the playoff. That's just extra marketing money, you know, that they can put in their pocket. But, uh, you know, get the money up front from Fox, ESPN, CBS, NBC. And, uh, you know, you can pay for everything out of that.
0: I want to get into this because a lot of people were saying, hey, Kevin Warren took a lot of heat and rightfully so. But look at him now. Look at this. He's looking great now. And he, he is looking good. I mean, he is. You know, he is the commissioner of the Big Ten. And, uh, you know, the astronomical TV deal, Steve, that they were about to get, that price just went up astronomically, um, to use that word twice. But, you know, and I'll give Zach Smith credit for this. And I've I've since heard, you know, confirmed this with sources that, you know, really Kevin Warren had nothing to do with this. This was the tight relationships between Gene Smith and the two ADs at uh, USC and UCLA, who he has very tight relationships with. Those were kind of the three men that got together um, and were really the driving force behind all of this happening with USC, UCLA, joining the big 10. I will give, as I kind of joked about on our message board, I wasn't really joking. People were like, so Kevin Warren had nothing to do with this. I was like, well, you got to give him some credit here. At least this time, he was smart enough just to get out of the way and listen to reason. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I, I want you to address that. So obviously, Hey, Kevin Moore is the commissioner. Good for him. And this looks great for the Big Ten. But I think this is Gene Smith gets a lot of credit here, the most credit, and also the ADs at USC and UCLA who are close friends of Gene Smith.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that there was some uh, some partnership there and uh, some back channel discussions that uh, led to this. And it seems like this was something, I mean, that USC and UCLA initiated uh, and brought to the attention of the big 10 that uh, if, um, if there is a life raft for us, we'll, we'll take it because we went out from underneath of Oregon state, Washington state, Colorado, all these non-entity schools out there, uh, Arizona, Arizona state that they, you know, they drive the revenue, et cetera. Um, Oregon, I think, you know with phil knight I, the the most unhappy person on thursday had to be phil knight from nike and uh gene smith had to be on the phone with phil knight saying it wasn't me bro it wasn't me you know that i'm just doing what you know what not uh, me what what everybody else is doing you know ohio state michigan penn state all nike schools and uh you know they 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 raid the Pac-12, but they don't take the number one Nike school. So, uh, and Nike has a big part in this. I mean, you you think about all of the money that Nike throws at each of these schools every year is a huge part of uh, each school's budget uh, to outfit those teams, but more importantly, to sell all that merchandise that comes off of that, uh, and the schools get obviously a big cut of that. So, um, you know, I'm sure there'll be a major push by Phil Nike Nike to include Oregon in anything going forward. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see if Oregon, Washington, Notre Dame, and school X, whoever that may be, it could be Stanford, could be North Carolina. I don't know. Um, You know, you hear all kinds of different names. You would find it hard to believe that North Carolina would come without Duke. But, uh, again, basketball doesn't mean anything. And I I just say that, you know, flippantly. It means one-tenth of what football means, basically. So it's interesting. When the Big Ten signs its its media deal – they'll have this little extra paragraph at the end and CBS will retain some regular season basketball rights. And that's how it's always been in my entire history of doing this is they'll put out this huge press release about the football rights and they'll get X windows and they'll have this. And this will, the cable component will be here. The third tier will be the big 10 network here or back in the old days, the Raycom ESPN plus, and then off on the side, you know, CBS slid them a few million dollars to get those Sunday afternoon games in January, February, and March, you know, and and that'll still be part of it, I assume. And CBS wants it as a lead-in to the NCAA tournament, obviously, to to get viewers to find where CBS is before the tournament starts. So, um, you know, will CBS take a bigger chunk and get into a Big Ten football now that it seems SEC football probably leaving CBS? You know, we'll have to wait
0: and see. All right. We got time for two questions. Uh, thank you to all the questions and comments. Sorry, we're not going to get to all of the questions, but let's get to two questions to finish the show here. Um, this is an interesting, this is from Larry on uh, YouTube. Stevie wants to know, who don't you want to join the Big Ten? Of all these names we're throwing around, is there like a, no, I don't I don't want Washington. I don't want North Carolina. I don't want who? Clemson. Is there a, a team or two that everybody's throwing around. you "No, I don't want them." You know, Stanford. Maybe Stanford.
1: I don't. I don't see any big kinship with Ohio State and Stanford. I mean, I. I don't. I mean, Oregon. You know, brings a little bit of cachet. Washington, even less. Uh, North Carolina and Duke would be kind of cool to be in that mid Atlantic footprint. Maybe. Um, I don't know. Uh, non entities. Pete schools that do not bring viewership. How about that? and schools that do not have compelling athletic programs. Those are kind of my two – those are my two disqualifiers. If you don't bring an audience and you don't have a team that's going to be competitive, top 15, top 20 in football every year, or at least on a regular basis, you need not apply.
0: That's right. Final question here. This comes from Tyler J. Whalen on Facebook. Um, basically wants to know, so Ohio State has a lot of marquee home-and-home matchups. Obviously, this year, next year, Notre Dame, then Texas, Alabama. And that was fine when it was, you know, just 14 teams in the Big Ten. You're not adding USC and UCLA, then probably Notre Dame after that. Who knows where they're going? I don't think they're stopping at 16. Didn't seem like Gene Smith and Dr. Christina Johnson thought they were stopping at 16, reading between the lines. So basically, Tyler wants to know, Um, Will the conference expanding change those already scheduled matchups? I don't think you're going to change the already scheduled matchups. I think Ohio State might be a little bit more cautious to have these marquee home and homes when their conference schedule is going to be even tougher now. What do you think, Steve? Well, it
1: seems like they're going to stick with nine Big Ten games. If they ever go to ten Big Ten games, then you may need to clear out some of those (coughs) excuse me, not scheduled non-conference games to... Uh, provide room for 10 conference games, which, I mean, if you have 20 schools in your conference and you're playing 10 conference games, um, you know, how often are you going to play all these conference schools? It's going to be a real mess, I think, in terms of conference scheduling and who do you play on an annual basis and these kind of things. But my guess is if you've got something on the books for the next 10 years, it'll probably stay there. And I do believe uh, if they expand the playoff, it's entirely possible we could actually see more marquee non-conference games because then you could afford one uh, loss or even two and still have a spot in the playoff. And uh, those games are important from the standpoint of selling tickets, uh, maybe a little bit less with television because it's all kind of you, – you, the, the networks buy these television contracts – Under the assumption that the conferences and the teams, the teams in particular, are going to continue to sign compelling non-conference matchups. And they can't really dictate to Ohio State, okay, we're going to sign a 10-year Big Ten media rights deal, and I'm going to need Ohio State to play Alabama twice, Clemson twice, Georgia twice. I mean, they don't really come in and stipulate that. It's just kind of assumed that the standard bearers in each of these conferences are going to go out and seek out the standard bearers in some of the other conferences. And that's kind of how the sports operated under this uh, understanding that there'll be great inventory in the non-conference, even if we can't identify it on the day the TV deal signed. So, um, you know, it's been Gene Smith's mantra forever that we're going to play one high major every year in football, And, you know, obviously that definition, you know, we, they've played uh, some schools that had name value, but maybe didn't bring, didn't have that type of a caliber team like California, they played them home and home, you know, were they high, high major? Well, in the late 2000s, that decade, they actually had some teams that were in the top 10. So, you know, it just kind of it works itself out, and Ohio State's done a great job with this schedule. I mean, you look at these games off into the distance; they're there. Um, will they stay there? My assumption is they will stay there. But uh, again, until we know, is it ten conference games? Is it only nine? Do they bump it back to eight? I don't know. I mean, we're we are we are completely in the dark here. I mean, it is. I mean, when they when they USC and UCLA joined the Big Ten on a Thursday afternoon and no one had even rumored it prior to that, that'll tell you that, that everybody outside the, the little group is in a need-to-know basis. So that came together pretty quick.
0: And this is all happening with NIL just hit its one-year anniversary, and it just keeps – we don't even know what's going on with NIL. It just keeps changing. It's the Wild West, and you add this. It's a crazy time in college football. I fib to you and everybody out there. Let's hit one more question. Terry from Facebook – all right. It seems like Ohio state was red hot in recruiting and then came July. What are your thoughts? Any worries? Well, they were just crushing it in June. So, and we're very, very early in July. They did land one in July. They landed Jermaine Matthews, the corner from Winton woods. I thought that was a good get. Um, and kid that's on the rise. I really like him. This DB class is fantastic. Tim Walton's doing a great job and Perry Eliano. Um, Not worried at all. I know that they they didn't get Darren Reed, the D-lineman from, uh, I believe, Georgia, right? Is he the one from Georgia? Yeah. And uh, he went to LSU instead. I'm not worried. Um, This is going to be a top five class that keeps stacking top four classes back to back to back. Uh, I think this will be a top four class, top three. Will challenge for the top spot, depending on how it goes. Steve... uh, add to that are, are you worried at all about recruiting after that hot june and they only have one commitment so far here in july we're five days in
1: five days in dave they're slipping Four, over there Pantone and his booms have uh, have uh, subsided but uh no i don't worry too much about it with this caveat that uh i need to see more donovan jacksons and paris johnsons on the offensive line recruiting i need to see those kind of studs if you know and again i am of almost a certain belief that they're going to get into the portal and get two starters for 2023 because the talent uh just it, it's not been replaced and it's not a knock on anybody that stud signed or you know it's too early to even make a mention of the guys fries got on the hook but uh for 2023 but uh I think that uh, to, to play at a Big Ten championship caliber playoff caliber level, they're going to have to go out and find two Jonah Jacksons, I think, to, to come in because you're going to lose DeWan Jones, probably going to lose Matthew Jones and certainly going to lose Paris Johnson. There's three starters gone. And, uh, you know maybe you'll be able to fill one of those guys at uh, one of those spots but uh, i think you got two open spots and nobody to fill them at this point so i think i think fryer would be a, a guy that would fill in maybe vimahi and after that it's i mean when when they come out of spring football and say they only got seven guys who can play right now that's pretty telling i know they had some of those other guys that were banged up in the spring but they need help they need help in the worst way on the offensive line. Same on the de- interior defensive line and really defensive line overall. So to me, all the skill position players in the world are great, uh, wonderful. You've got quarterbacks stacked up, you've got wide receivers stacked up, you're doing really well in the secondary. Uh, linebacker, you signed two great ones this past year. Plus, Styles could play linebacker potentially. Uh, what you need help with, above all else, at this point, is offensive and defensive line. You need national top 100 players in both those areas, and multiple of them this year and next year to get it back where it needs to be.
0: Yeah, Larry Johnson, near the end of his career, uh, recruiting's fallen off uh, a bit there on the D line. I'm sure there's a lot of negative recruiting going out there. Uh, you know, telling kids he's not going to be there throughout throughout your career. Maybe he will. I think a lot of people thought he'd be gone by now. Um, And he's the one guy that they uh, kept uh, on the defensive staff from the previous defensive staff, everybody else uh, out the door uh, with the new Jim Knowles regime. Great stuff from Steve Hellwagon. Really appreciate it, my man. Great insights. Thank you to all of the listeners and viewers out there. We appreciate that very much. As always, if you like the show, please like subscribe or give us a five-star review, depending on what platform you're on. Uh, Regardless, thank you for making us a part of your morning. We appreciate it very much. Thanks again to Steve. Thank you to all of you out there. Hope everyone has a great day.